Alright, so, uh, okay, here we go. I like this so far. Oh, it's good. It's fantastic. It sounds album. like, uh, oh, shoot. Makes it sound like we're really tough and cool and we're be bringing hot takes. This is dangerous. He, he did say it was dangerous, Richard. So, there you go. We are dangerous. I was kind of getting a Tom This show is on. not safe for work. Do not play it in front of your boss. You will get fired. Uh, this is the uh, Chance of Gaming podcast based in Barton. Woke gaming podcast or non-woke, depending on what you want us to be. Based in part on characters created by uh, Adam Chance. <laughs> and um, I'm Adam, and uh, with me always is Richard and Roy. Yes, this is Rich, and I am actually Adam Chance doing another voice. Mm-hmm. That's the secret. I'm going to tell you in the first 75 episodes. Look, when you... Boy, oh, Rich is feeling frisky there. Look, I know. He's, he's got a spring in his step. What did you just get done doing? I'm in a good mood. I just saw a good movie. I got a good beer. We haven't recorded in a month. I mean, come on. Look, I'm just saying, when you get, like, a real job, you have to do these things. You have to say, like, okay, this is not this this it's thing. Right, you have a real job now. They're like, this This has nothing to do with uh, my employer. And you go, and you have to go, like, okay, this isn't even me. This is a character I'm playing. So, there you go. All right. That's right. So, no one knows I'm on this thing anyway. Didn't you talk to a friend Nobody of mine? Nobody knows that I'm a dog. <laughs> Adam was talking to a friend of mine a month ago in KC, and the guy's like, Rich is on a podcast? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was hysterical, and I was like, he's on two of them, actually. He's like, really? Wow. He's a real quiet guy. Okay. Look, the whole reason... See, that's the sort of thing I roll out after I've known somebody for, like, a month. Oh, by the way. Well, I mean, like, I do, you know, tabletop gaming. More or less, I'm at the, the shop, you know, weekly. And I, I never, never really promote mine at all. You know, I never be... Like, the only difference is, like, if we have a tournament and we're out of towners come, at the end, like, because I did that for the big X-Wing hyperspace thing we did. When I finished a round, I gave the guy my card. He goes, I'll, I'll go, here you go. I'm going to talk about you. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It's funny. I mean, twice in the last week, I've had conversations come up with, uh, one with some coworkers and one was with a, a, a relatively new friend. We were out having a drink together, and um, but both times the topic of board games came up, and they're like, "Oh, you mean so like Monopoly or something?" I'm like, "Well, no, uh, more like war games." They, oh, so like Risk then? I'm like, yes, something like that. Let me show you a picture of the like three table game that I spent a whole weekend playing, and they're like, "Okay, so you're insane." Yeah, pretty much. Look, anybody that says strategio, that's that's the person you want as a friend because that's the other one that doesn't get enough, uh, you know, thing. Risk had better marketing, but strategio yeah. was where it was at. Look, uh, that song was uh, Minefields by The Prodigy, and the reason why I put it on there is because it was on the awesome soundtrack to The Matrix, which released a trailer for the next movie this past week. Yes, which made me watch The Matrix last night because I wanted to see it again. Well, it, first, the first one was so good. The sequels were pretty disappointing, but I'm looking forward to the fourth. 
Well, it, for me, it was this was kind of like my generation's Star Wars. I was actually working at a movie theater at that time, and we ran that print of The Matrix into the ground. It was completely, <laughs> completely scratched up by by the end of it. We just shuffled it around to smaller and smaller theaters, but it kept every like every single um, showing. It would be about half full. Even in, like in the smaller theaters. And on the weekends, sometimes it would sell out. And they were like, wow, we're really making money on this. So we kept it way longer than we would for a regular movie. And I just thought yeah, that uh-huh. was neat. It was the kind of thing like I'd bump into you guys at the mall, you know, because that's what you did back then. Uh, what was this in like? your Not- black trench coat. Well, <laughs> wasn't this like 99, I think, about then? Anyway, so I'd bump into Roy at the mall, and I'd be like, man, Roy, have you seen that movie, The Matrix? You know, and that's just, you know, how it started with people you ran into, and it just kind of grew from there. It was just, yeah, just Mm -hmm. kind of an unbelievable experience to see it in the theater. And, yeah, so just going to mention that. I did not do that. I saw it uh, on video. Mm -hmm. Uh, I borrowed a copy from a friend, and it kind of blew my mind there, too, from the special effects to the kind of the, the, the quasi-biblical story that, that's in there. Yeah. It was, it's cool stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah, Re- River Bullet Time? Uh, oh yes. yeah. Yeah, I literally watched the, the first one again last night, and special effects hold up pretty well. Sometimes you see some of those older movies, you're like, oh, this is so terrible, but mm-hmm. they, they still hold up pretty well. But they put I bullet time the in everything. Yeah. Oh. They start putting well, it into commercials. The first, the first one. <laughs> Yeah. I was so I was watching on YouTube last night, and my my daughter was watching. My twelve year old was watching along with me, and so I said, was talking about the movie and, and Bullet Time. I said, I think you've seen that before. Well, I don't know. So we we looked up and saw the the little featurette that they put on the on the video mm-hmm. about Bullet Time. Mm-hmm. It's a clever clever process for sure. Oh yeah. It, yeah, it really was uh, for that time, especially. They were like, "Okay, we're going to take this exact shot on all these different cameras, and we're going to dump it all into one timeline." Which I can't even imagine in '99. I guess they were working on Avid, and uh, just how long it would take to render. To anyway. Oh. So. Uh-huh. But uh, well, they even use that in the NFL too, and it's. I mean, it's really crude, but yep, because they don't process it any. But it's kind of the same. They do it live on the on in football games. Hmm. So, uh, other things I watched in the month that we've been off. Um, people kept saying the Harley Quinn show on HBO was good, and it's fucking fantastic. Hmm. I laughed so hard watching that show. It is fantastic. It is a great parody of just kind of just DC-ness and stuff like that. It, it is great. I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, and the King Shark is a character on there, which, you know, this was way before the last Suicide Squad movie. So, and he's a fantastic character. Yeah. Just the, the lines and everything in it are great. Uh, they end up, like, with this one guy, and I'm terrible with names, just names of people, characters, or whatever. Uh, but um, he ends up canceled because in a fight with Wonder Woman, he called her the C-word. 
And um, <laughs> so nobody, he gets kicked out of the Legion of Doom, and nobody, <laughs> nobody will take him so, because the, the like the Legion of Doom. It, it was funny. It was like Lex Luthor released a like a PSA that said like <laughs> we're evil, but we we're not misogynists. And um, it was just yeah, it was very funny. And so he couldn't he couldn't find work anywhere, so he ended up with Harley Quinn. And yeah, it's just great. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. So and uh, Roy uh, C. Season two or three, whichever. I'm not into season two yet. It's what whatever the latest season is out. Yes. And man, I, can, I cannot believe Batman shows up and kills Jason Momoa. It's a whole thing. <laughs> well, it does have uh, Dave Batista in in season two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, look with Batista, I will say um, they're like him, The Rock, and this is like every wrestler's dream, and it's also Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's dream to try to ride those coattails into it. Mm. The you know the one wrestler who actually ends up being he comes out of wrestling popular, but he's also a really good actor and he gets work and he's really good and well respected and da 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 da. Because I mean, all of them try it. I mean, there's some really really bad movies out there with wrestlers that tried to make it and didn't. But uh, John yeah. John Cena's in a in a movie right now on Hulu called uh what vacation friends uh look he was great in the first thing i ever saw him uh was in blockers something like that it was it was about like uh, a group of parents trying to stop their kids from having sex on prom night it's just one of those Mm -hmm. dumb movies and he was actually really funny in it but uh he's excellent in suicide squad he i really really impressed me but yeah dave batista he was excellent in um Blade Runner. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yes, but oh, I, I was thinking, He was in the new Blade Runner? Yes, he was, and I thought it was okay. done really well. And I mean, because... I, I haven't seen it. Does he play a replicant? I don't want to reveal anything, so... Oh, okay. But, yeah, he's really... Spoilers? Okay. He plays Batman, Roy, so, um, in in the Blade Runner movie. Let's see. Oh, and okay. I look, okay, watch it, and then go online... And and I'll link this in the show notes. I'll be listening to this this weekend. Link it in there where uh, Harrison Ford accidentally hits. Uh, who's the guy? He's acting across from that. He's a young younger actor. Anyway, they're getting this you know a movie fight, and you know they're not supposed to hit each other. Well, he accidentally breaks the dude's you know just pops him right in the nose, and it's hysterical to watch because <laughs> to see him react like, oh, oops, I'm sorry. And the other guy, like, oh my god, Harrison Ford just punched me in the face. So, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm going to ride that all the way to the bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. It's, it's like, wow, you know, that would be like my, if I was that actor, and I can't not think, I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. That would be like my thing, how I introduced myself at parties. It's like, oh yeah, you know me from this movie, but did you know Harrison Ford punched me in the face? <laughs> I got hit by his Indiana Jones slash Han Solo. It's awesome. But anyway. So back to C. Yes. <laughs> I, I have either of you guys checked this out? I, I'm completely no. caught up. I, I love it. I've been, I'm an early okay. adopter of C. I'm, nope. I'm, I'm still trying to decide if I like it or not. If it's if if I can uh, suspend my disbelief. Well, I will say I read a thing on Reddit that made the most sense to me, and it was. You know, sometimes I'm not that invested in the characters, but the world building is excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just fantastic. You know, 
So the premise here is that there's been a worldwide virus. Does that sound familiar? Um, that has blinded Fake news. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> has blinded the entire population of the world. And apparently, it seems like horses and people and would dogs... still say it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's no different than the flu, Richard. <laughs> and so it's been like 600 some odd years before anybody's been able to see. Oh, wow. But all of a sudden, there's somebody that can now. And so it's kind of about the the uh, to even talk about vision was a taboo thing would get you murdered. So these yeah, I was gonna say they'd probably think he's crazy or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's you see trappings of the modern world, but it's they're all back to the Stone Age, and apparently it seems to me that dogs and horses are not blinded. I don't know. What's your read on that? Uh, yeah, I think I, it's because they're better than us. <laughs> it could be, for I, sure. I think it's, um, uh, I think it only affected humans, but uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, because I know they they rely on, you know, of course, you know, you lose your sight, you can suddenly, you know, smell better and this, that, and the mm-hmm. other, and blah, blah, blah. And, and that becomes, like, a huge thing in the film. Like, the last episode I watched, they talk about, like, art, the art they make is only being made to smell or touch or taste, you know, so Mm, just kind of interesting. I mean, it's to me, it's neat. It's, it's kind of original uh, to me. Um, And Mm -hmm. uh, it reminded me of, there was another movie called, was it blindness or, or something? And that was the premise of it. It was people caught this virus and you went blind. And in it, there was one, the main character could actually see, but she goes into quarantine pretending she can't see so she could take care of her husband. And, you know, in the kingdom, you know, in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yeah, it's very much mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So so, so maybe that's it. It's, the story is, is kind of weak, but, I mean, it does really lean into the setting, too. So maybe I just, it's not, it's not, Good television. It's compelling television. Is that on Apple TV? Yes. Yes. Okay. It is on the on the Apple TV. Uh, Oh, it's Ryan Gosling who Harrison Ford punched. So maybe that's a dream of some of you. But yes, that's (laughs) the guy. And I'll link that in the show notes. But um, in C, you know, in the six hundred years, kids that can see were born, but they, you know, they burned them like witches, you know, because they blame what happened, like the. The old world was bad, and it was destroyed because people could see. So, you know, and plus they don't want to change things. Why would you want, you know, the guy that could see and you can't? Well, he's got an advantage over you, so, Mm -hmm. you know. And they've mythologized things like the sun. Yeah. It's not the sun anymore, it's the god flame. Yeah, they can feel it, they can't see it, you know. Needless to say, yeah, there's nobody selling sunglasses. the, The world building is spot on. The story is, is, in my opinion, a little shaky. I, whatever. I, to me, like, were there... At, well, it, to me, it's saved by Mr. Momoa and uh, mm-hmm. a couple of the others. And, um, and of course, Mr. Batista has shown up, and turns out that's Mr. Momoa's brother, and it's, it's the whole thing, and so, yeah. Well, and as I've asserted previously, I'm two degrees of separa- separation away from Jason Momoa. So, you know, I got that going for me. He's your cousin twice removed. 
He's uh, my stepbrother knew him when he was a lifeguard. So I, I, I want to believe that like uh, Roy has his hair, you know that that's it. It's just and he just oh, you know, he keeps luscious. it he keeps yeah. it short for Michigan standards. That's what I'm gonna believe. He's like no 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 it's <laughs> it's too much for Michigan. You know I'm not on the Pacific. Yeah so so Rich you saw Shang Chai. Shang Chi, yeah. All right. Yeah, it, just saw it like like out of the movie theater an hour ago. This is so I don't want to give any spoilers because it's a brand new movie, but it's it's really good. It's this excellent. I will say this is the first uh, Marvel movie that I'm kind of like meh about because it's like I don't know who they are. I don't know who the yeah, people but, are. So. but don't let that stop you from seeing it because it's it's very good. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, you guys are always, like, way ahead of me on TV shows because I never watch anything until you guys are in, like, the second or third season and tell me it's worth watching. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But to that effect, Adam, I finally started watching Avatar. And it's funny because I thought, oh, this would be a good one to watch with my 11-year-old daughter. She's like, this is boring. And I'm like, well, I'm liking it, so I'm just going to watch it without you. So here I am watching a kid's show by myself while my daughter doesn't want to see it. But um, I made it all the way through The Last Airbender, and I'm like halfway into Korra. I'm not liking Korra that much, but I really liked The Last Airbender. That's that's generally what, how, yeah. how people feel. Oh my gosh, how great was the second-to-last episode of Avatar? The, uh, the, Ember- oh, the, the ending on that show was just amazing. The I mean, in- it was just... The Amber Island players, yeah. Oh yes, yes. yeah. I like shows that don't take themselves oh. seriously. Oh, it's, that was how but you do. Gotta wade back into this, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's but like I thought it was interesting because in Shang Chi, and maybe it's not even intentional, but there were a lot of Avatar references in there. I mean, there was there was like air bending, there was water bending, there was a scene that looked very much like season two of Legend of Korra. So, um, yeah, it was really good. Show. Sure. Shang-Chi is a martial artist of some kind. Is he a monk, or is he like a... No, he's... Um, so, the the quick version of the story is his his father is a warlord that has these, these ten rings, these sort of wristbands that give him just phenomenal powers, you know, almost mm-hmm. basically magical powers. But his father's like a thousand years old. Um, and now, you know, we're up to the present day, and stuff happens and there's going to be a conflict so okay so yeah he's not a monk or anything he's actually the the son of a very rich warlord yeah okay all right rich why isn't it not shang chi and the ten bracelets why is it it's not rings they're bracelets uh i don't know because (laughs) (laughs) we'll jump into a later story and say they don't want to feminize their superheroes because you know they're not woke enough (laughs) who should have done the theme song the Bengals. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Which no, it's really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. All right, Rich. That is a. And then okay. Have you guys seen? It was a Disney. It was on Disney Plus. Uh, it was like the last Water Dragon or something like that. Oh, Raya. Yeah, Raya. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Have you seen that? Yeah. No. I'm okay, not. so so the the lady that played the voice of the dragon, um, she was in this movie as well, and I. I did not like her, just she got a kind of obnoxious voice, and I didn't like the Raya movie all that much, but she was much better in this, even though her voice is, like, just so... You, you instantly know it's her. She has a very unique voice. <laughs> but she was much better in this. Hmm. 
I, w I was going to say, Rich, uh, that's a really good Zuko costume, but your scar's on the wrong side. Oh, you're... No, I sent you like this because I took the picture in the mirror. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Roy, <laughs> what have you been playing? Oh, let's see. I've been, you know, I've got back onto Board Game Arena a little bit these uh, past few weeks. I've been playing Terra Mystica with three randos. Um, and I don't know. I'm feeling my way through that. And then uh, I've been playing several game card games of this game called 99, which is a trick-taking game for three players, which I think I mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, and it's um, so it's played with a short deck, and um, you you're dealt 12 cards, but three of those cards you need to use to make your bid. And so then there's a there's a trump suit um, most times, and then you're basically bidding on how many tricks you're going to take. And if you take the exact number of tricks, then you get a whole bunch of points. And then if you, you do what's called reveal um, or declare, you say, this is my bid. You turn your cards face up. And they can see how many people or how many tricks you think you're going to take and try to kind of throw you off there. And then if you do uh, reveal, it means that you're turning your whole hand face up. And so if you do that correctly, that's a, what a 99-point game. Or ninety-nine point hand. So that's uh, this ninety-nine, and this was kind of recommended to me. Somebody put a post on r slash uh, board games on Reddit talking about ninety-nine. So we looked into it and started playing it. So it's just something you play with a regular deck of cards. Yes. Okay. It's played with uh, six through ace, oh. and. Um, I think there's probably one other card in there. I, somehow there's a the Trump is determined. I'm not sure how that is, but uh, yeah, that's 99. And then uh, I played. Have I talked about Funkoverse? I know what it is. The little okay. big-headed guys, right? Right. The well, the Funko Pops. Um, this is a a strategy game, uh, kind of a tabletop skirmish game, I guess where you can mix and match characters from different uh, properties. So I linked to the one, it's the Golden Girls. So, um, was it Blanche and who's uh, from St. Olaf? Oh, um... Rose? Yeah, Rose, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So Rose and Blanche, you can play with them. So we have that set, and then we have all the Harry Potter characters. So, so, so it could be we, Rose versus Voldemort. Yes. <laughs> yep. So each uh, character has a little, a few special abilities that they can do. And so, like, it'll say uh, red triangle two next to an ability. And so then you take a red triangle token and you put it on the two of your cooldown track. And at the end of your turn, it goes down a step. And once it gets to one, then it comes back to you. And you can use it again. Um, so it's a, it's a kind of a... I go, you go, skirmish game, with two actions per turn, and so like for one action you're going to move two. It's all pretty standard. Um, a challenge is a fight, so if you're next to somebody, you can um, challenge two. You roll two dice. If you roll two hits, they have to roll two defenses to stay standing up. Um, so the the gameplay is is um, it's pretty light, but the figures are interesting, and they're little and goofy I guess and then um, playing D&D &D, I'm off this week uh, we are at 
sixth level now, um, going up against the Nation of Ghouls in the Midgard setting. So that's what I've been up to. Where Where is Midgard? Uh, so Midgard is from Kobold Press. It's a it's a third party setting, and it's kind of based on and around the Eastern European mythologies. You know, so like there's Yggdrasil is in there, um, the 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 various Norse gods, and they talk about the different different uh, pantheons. Talk about a mask. So like Loki. Well, the the trickster god wears the Loki mask when he's it calls for it, and he's in the coyote mask when it calls for it in some other uh, location. So, um, yeah, Midgard is kind of based on on dark European fantasy, I guess. Hmm. Okay. Kind of trending, I guess, maybe to horror a little bit. And I guess we'll talk more about that company later on in the show. Why is that? I don't know. There's, it seems like they're they're uh, there seems like they're on a list. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> You're on the list. You're on a list. Um. So, all right. Well, uh, I have the. You will never ever guess what I've been spending money on and playing. Um, I can guarantee I would not have guessed. It's babe. It's because ba- the last time I heard anyone talk about this, it was my nephew when he was seven. <laughs> It's Beyblades, and uh, yeah, look, I, I look, I will say the guy that runs my local shop, and I'll, you know, and I'll say this knowing that he's not listening to this. So the guy that runs my local shop is some kind of genius. He seems to be able to get anything off the ground and make money on it. What he kicked around an idea uh, for apparently. The emphasis of this idea was they have, like, a party room you can rent for, like, kids' birthday parties or whatever. And this lady came in and wanted to rent it because um, she wanted to do, uh, uh, have a, hold a Beyblade tournament for her kid's birthday and uh, all his friends. And it was so big that they actually... You wanted to beat those kids. (laughs) Well, no, 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 this is pre-me. And this is uh, it was so big they actually ended up moving it out of the room into part of the store and it was such a big success all these people are standing around it's very loud it's it's fast you see all this stuff going and all these people are standing around watching it he's like huh I wonder how I can make money on this so <laughs> he had he'd been sitting around with the idea for months and he finally came up with um, Beyblades and beers, and so it was like a twenty-one or older thing uh, tournament that would happen at like I think at like ten thirty on Friday night. So it's just after the magic draft and whatnot has finished. It's it's you pay X amount of dollars, and I think it was like ten bucks, and it's winner take all. And I didn't participate in the last one, but I saw where they had 13 players in the last one. So one guy walked away with 130 bucks, you know, and it's wow. just it's just interesting and in playing it, it it is so freaking fun. Like uh it's kind of like um ethical cockfighting or ethical dogfighting, you know? It's like you're you're launching these things out to possibly destroy your opponent and that's what you want, but it's fine because they're not sentient or you know anything and uh, it's you know, a, there's 
you know there's some guy that's like he's a like a, a fucking aircraft engineer that he's like he's you know machined this thing out of mm-hmm. like out of solid aluminum and it's like all computer animated or computer generated and everything. This is the guy whose kid wins the Pinewood Derby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's that guy. Uh, I mean, it, strangely enough, it's not just you know random smash up thing. They actually have uh, different ones do different things. Like you can have a defensive one. You can have, uh, and it's really hard to knock down. You can have one uh, that has a high stamina rating which means it'll spin for the longest time. So that's the thing. You can win by either knocking your opponent out of the ring, destroying him, making him bust into three or four pieces, or being the last one still spinning. So the stamina ones will spin forever. Mm. And so, yeah, it's just kind of neat. But it's just a, a hell of a lot of fun. It is way more fun than I ever thought it would be. And uh, it was, like, me and, like, um, I think it was, like, five or six other people. I think I sent you guys the video I shot and edited of it. And it was just a, a hell of a lot of fun. You basically just, you pull the little thing like you're cranking a chainsaw, and it, your little spinning guy drops in there, and it's like, fight, fight, fight. And they may just sit there and spin. <laughs> and it's not until they bump into each other that something starts happening. Or they could just immediately just crash. It's great. I mean, for me... I mean, I would love to do battle bots, but, you know, they cost as much as, like, a Toyota Camry. So, uh, that's not going to happen. So, this is cheap. I mean, essentially, they're about 10 bucks a piece. Usually, they're $20 for two. And, of course, like anything collectible, you know, they'll be $20 for one. Or this one's rare, and it costs, you know, 150 bucks and whatever. Anyway... So the fact that my local shop had been doing it had all these dudes like bring out their Beyblades that they've had in their closet for like, you know, seven or eight years and actually start carrying them and bringing in imports and us. Oh, it's, it's become a whole thing. But a uh, hell of a lot of fun. Hell of a lot of fun. Anyway. Do you remember Alf? Yes. He's back in Beyblade form. No way. <laughs> Is he? No. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm quoting The Simpsons. Oh, I was going to say I would buy that. I don't know what he would do. It would be a Beyblade that eats cats, I guess. But, you know, anyway. Which reminds me, um, you know, I I had never watched Airwolf as a kid. And it's on Peacock, and so I started watching it. It's not bad. I mean, it's not good. Alf eats cats, which reminds me of Airwolf. Yes. Well, That's the kind of segue you can only get on our podcast. I know, only you will not hear that segue on History (laughs) on the Table. It's just not there. So, uh, the only other thing was I hemmed and hawed about this um, Delta, Gr- Delta Green uh, Kickstarter. Essentially, they're doing the 25th anniversary of the original Delta Green, and I wanted a copy in hardback. I almost pulled the trigger on the $300 pledge, because it comes with like 18 books, 10, uh, 10 softbacks, and 8 hardbacks, plus I think it came with a tarot deck, and a pen, and something else I don't care about. But, eh, it, it, I just didn't, no, no, no. I'm like, it was way too much of a commitment. The main thing was shipping, and they are an American company, but uh, they would have shipped as they released, or you could wait until it's all done, and you would have to pay, I think, like a hundred and something bucks to have all the 18 books shipped to you. And I was like, nope, not going to happen. So, Well, wouldn't you pay through the nose more if you got them shipped separately each time? 
<sighs> yes, I think so. But you would and have you can't afford not to get you, them. You would have them in your hands. So I had actually had this uh, um, Kickstarter on the show notes here for us to talk about, but it finally ended. So yeah, I pulled it off new ours or on your radar and put it up here. So anyway, so that's what I have been doing. Rich, what have you been doing? Uh, I haven't played all that much, especially considering it's been a month since you recorded. But uh, last Saturday, Labor Day weekend, I did spend all day playing Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition, um, which I own Twilight Imperium 4, and I've played that a bunch of times. This is the first time I've ever played Twilight Imperium 3, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, obviously, the, the basics of the game are the same. There's not that many differences, but there were a few little differences I really liked. Like one of them, one of the expansions for TI3 had some like unknown defenses on all the neutral planets. So every time you went into a system of neutral planets, you could either just invade it and hope for the best, or you could send fighters out and delay your invasion by scouting it to see what you needed. So um, that was probably the biggest difference in the two games. And the other big difference was that Mechatrol Rex isn't really that important in TI3, whereas in TI4, it's it's way more important. But it's it's one of my favorite games to play. It's definitely like a top five game for me. And um, it it's every time I play it, I instantly want to just play again. So I don't think I'll have another chance to play it probably till November or so. But I'm looking forward to hosting a TI4 game over at my house pretty soon. Now, Rich, um, I know it's a 4X game. I was wondering if there are any of uh, uh, PC games that maybe you like that are 4X games that scratch that um, itch. I don't know. There's there's nothing that really scratches that itch. There are there are PC versions of board games that so um, one game that kind of kind of reminds me of Twilight Imperium Light is the Gaia Project, which is the the sequel to Terra Mystica, which Roy already talked about. Um, but both of those games are kind of like Twilight Imperium Light, and both of those games are available on BGA or Steam or, or, you know, multiple different ways you can play the actual board game on the PC. Other than that, PC games, it seems like lately most of the PC games I play are just PC versions of board games rather than actual PC games. Hmm. Okay. There there are a lot of aspects to, to Twilight Imperium that other games have kind of like said, okay, well, we're going to take that concept and we're going to do just that. Yeah. Um, so the uh, there's a game on BGA called Beyond the Sun. This I've just heard of a, that. Yeah. Just about the technology trees. Yeah. And it's very lightly about uh, moving around this, the uh, galaxy and colonizing. Yeah. And that one's relatively new to BGA, I think. Yeah. Yep. Now, see, uh, Twilight Imperium, it's been on my list forever, but it's like I kind of want someone to uh, guide me through it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just Sounds yeah. like you need to come up here in November. Is, it, well, is there a Twilight Imperium convention going on up there? Not a convention, no. but I'm going to have a game. House. I'm going to host. At Rich's yeah. house? Okay. You're All invited. Right. All right. Absolutely. Nice. Very nice. Uh, but yeah, it's like basically you need an entire Saturday, right? To yeah, to yeah, play pretty much. I mean, it's uh, um, depending on how well people know and how many breaks you take and everything. It's a it's a six to twelve hour game. I've seen it go twelve hours. That's not usual. Um, I would say the average is going to be in the middle there. You know, eight hours, maybe ten hours at the the longest is what's normally. But it could go twelve if if like everyone is learning the game 
All right, have you ever seen a fight happen at a Twilight Imperium game? I'm just no, never. No. Okay, all right. But I wouldn't play with people that are going to be fighting over games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the guy that uh, that hosted the game, we didn't know each other that well. We actually just met in Kansas City. Um, but, you know, when I got there, he's like, I just want to make sure, are like you the type that's going to get really upset if you lose? I'm like, I'm not going to drive out to someone's house and spend all day Saturday and play an eight-hour game. And to lose. I lose. No, I don't. It's fine. Um, it's it's an experience game. Obviously, I'm trying to win, and I, I think I finished in third. Um, but yeah. it was it was fun. That's I, I like the, the uh, feeling the other guy out. Like, yeah. are, are you my <laughs> level of weirdo, or are you like <laughs> like like beyond me, yeah. or like am I beyond you? I think we've all seen the like the 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 gif or the video or whatever like that the, the big fat guy crushing the Catan board because he was mad because he lost and oh he, nah, fli- he flipped it yeah I know what you're talking about well there's yeah. one where he actually like two handed punched the table and crushed the whole table oh wow okay <laughs> only acceptable with Monopoly yeah well if, yeah ask me what kind of gamer I am I'm not the kind that's going to play Monopoly so <laughs> Um, I've also been continuing our Red Barricades game. So this is ASL Historical, um, and it's a it's a campaign game. So we finished up the second day of the campaign. Basically, we play turn every week. We took last week off for Labor Day, but we're about to start the third day tomorrow night. So uh, just continuing on with that. It's it's fun. I mean, it's it's nice being able to see what you've done affect the next turn. You know, it's uh, it's not like you're starting fresh every turn. You know, I've I've taken certain amount of ground. Certain buildings have already burned down. Everything that has already happened is persistent as we play from day to day. So it's it's a fun way to play ASL. Oh, so this is a it's small scale. Yeah, yeah. ASL is basically it's advanced squad leader. It's squad scale. So basically, every every squad is. Well, I mean, a full squad is 10 guys, a half squad is like five guys, and then there's single man counters. If you see like a vehicle, like a tank or something, it's literally just one tank. Huh. I well, mean, but I mean, so what you have talked about before, like, like spans countries, but this is just the space of the what, maybe. Right, yeah, this is a very tactical game, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah whereas, yeah, Twilight Imperium, Avis, you know, spans star systems. This one is fought. In a part of a oh, city. Oh wait, okay. But are, there's there's other ASL games that has seemed like they've been a bigger scale. No, ASL is always the same scale. Um, okay. There are ASL games in different parts of the world, but they're all they're all the same scale. Okay. Some games are bigger than others. Like you can play an ASL game that the scenario itself maybe only has 20 counters, and it's on a small part of the map. The historical games are usually bigger maps. So like. Um, and I'll go ahead and talk about ASL Starter Kit because I started teaching my daughter ASL Starter Kit. So the first scenario in ASL Starter Kit is like mm, about half or maybe two-thirds of one ASL map. So that's the whole game. It's right there. It's maybe like 14 inches across, 8 inches wide, something like that. That's your entire playing space. Um, whereas a game like Red Barricades is going to be um, we're just playing out on Vassal. I don't actually have this one set up on the table, so I'm not sure. But it's probably something like six or eight of those maps. Ah, so okay. it's the same scale as far as a counter is the same. But instead of playing with 14 counters, you have 40 counters or something. 
and then obviously much longer spaces to shoot. You know, you've got like machine guns and tanks that can shoot across, you know, 20 hexes or something. You've got artillery that can more or less hit any hex on the board anywhere. So, um, yeah, it, that's the big difference is just the number of maps in a particular scenario. Right. How is she taking then, to it? I'm just curious. She's liking it. She's having fun. She doesn't understand it, but, you know, she's a gamer. She's she's willing to try it. So we'll see how it goes. We're probably going to play again this week. It's like, Dad, Basically, I shot those guys. and they, Why did they drop their machine gun? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. No, she'll get it. I mean, she's she's played she's played games more complicated than this. It's just, you know, wrapping your head around it when you first see it. So. Mm-hmm. Did she go then, see uh, Shang-Chi? Yeah, yeah, she saw it with us. What did she think? Oh, she loved it, yeah. She's seen all the Marvel movies, and which some of them, I mean, it kind of feels like some of them are probably a little above what I would want her to see as a 12-year-old girl. But you get to a point where, I don't know, it's not, I don't know, it seems like if something is in that Marvel universe, maybe like the exact same degree of violence and everything in a different universe might be a little more I'd keep her away from it but in the Marvel universe I let her do it so I don't know she she enjoyed it quite a bit I reminds me uh, I got in a discussion on Twitter earlier today that uh, about Thor Ragnarok being the uh, best Marvel movie so yeah that's not my favorite I think that's actually her favorite my 12 year old I think that's her favorite Marvel movie my favorite is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I just love that movie. I just, yeah, it's just really funny. And, yeah, I just like that. Yeah. Movie. Yes, uh, but also Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one was really funny. The second one wasn't mm-hmm. as funny, but, you know. I, I no, it. it wasn't as good. First one is probably my favorite in the whole series, just as a single movie to sit down and watch. Yes, I agree. What's your favorite, Roy? If it feels like, so Guardians of the Galaxy feels like an RPG story to me, like, I could see like the DM trying to get oh. these group of people together and accomplish some sort of mission, and they all have their own little things going on, and they do Rocket does stupid things to blow up the mission, and yeah, it feels like an RPG to me. What, what's your favorite one, Roy? I, well, I, I, so I've seen Thor Ragnarok, and that's pretty good. I mean, it's it's jokey. It's um, it's definitely not um, as action oriented, I guess, as the other. Um, Marvel films, it seems to me. But it's, uh, yeah, it's more more sitcom-y, I guess, which is maybe more what I'm into. Well, what what is your favorite Marvel movie? Uh, I guess that one. I'm not oh, sure. Okay, but I do like Guardians of the Galaxy too. Okay, just curious. I'm, I'm not a not a hardcore Marvel. Come guy. on, Roy, pick one. Who do you like better, Adam <laughs> or me? Oh man, mom or dad, Roy, make a choice. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Well, so um, I like that uh, the Guardians characters are not as they're they're less mainstream, I guess. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with them. That is true. I win, Adam. Plus, Sorry, it's, Dad. plus it's uh, I like how your mom, Roy, uh, Richard. So, uh, <laughs> plus it's Burt Macklin in space. So you know, yeah, I I, uh-huh. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, reminds me, are you guys watching What If? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Nope. Uh, I haven't enjoyed it. I mean, it's not great, but it's 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 like twenty two to thirty minutes of just an interesting little story every Wednesday. It's I don't think it's not as good as the other stuff like WandaVision and uh, Loki. Yeah, yeah, um, I but, agree. But it's interesting. 
I'm actually looking more forward to there's it's not called what if, but there's sort of a what if coming out for Star Wars coming up where it's got like an anime style to it and it looks oh. interesting. It's called oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's coming out on Disney Plus I think this fall. Oh yeah, well, I, I know what you're talking about. I saw that announced the other day. Um yeah. which damn it reminded me of uh are you did you guys watch um what is it the bad batch or whatever yep yeah we watched that too it's still on my radar but yeah i hear people talk about it this sounds all right i bailed out of it you know and just kind of was like mm, you know eh. I mean, to me it was it was worth watching but it wasn't great like it didn't it wasn't as good to me as as the mandalorian the best of clone wars or it wasn't as good to me as rebels but it was okay hmm. okay so I've been watching a lot of Bob's Burgers to kind of take a little tangent here. And yeah. I see that there's a Bob's Burgers movie coming out. I was going to say, Roy, yeah, yes, yes. My, yeah. my two daughters, the one that still lives here and the one in college, are both big Bob's Burgers fans. They they get to there, they watch them online together while, while one's in college and one's here. So, oh, yeah, okay. when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, you two definitely got to go see this. Oh, <laughs> I, I like it, too. I'm not – I mean, I, I enjoy watching it when I watch it, but I haven't – seen nearly as many episodes as they have mm. oh it's great and okay i'm i like it i watch it you know i adore it and however the early bob's burgers was better because it was more adult and uh the creator of it stopped mm -hmm. doing adult jokes in it because he noticed kids were watching it and uh, i'm a little disappointed in that however yeah. What? The old Candy Factory episode. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite freaking episode. So, <laughs> so freaking good. Bob is walking is around. The, yes. Was that the where Christmas one? No, no, no. no, no. Where he's got to chub the whole episode. Because, oh, okay, it's because Linda drugged him. It's not his fault. <laughs> he, You know, he's not walking around, you know, excited about something. It's because Linda drugged him. And that's just the kind of show it used to be. However... All right, what has scratched that itch for me, and it is fantastic. I love it. It's on Hulu. Watch Housebroken. Oh, I couldn't get into that. Oh, my gosh, it's first so episode. good. Look, when I, I knew I loved this show when a seagull flew down to a dog and says, Hey, do you know what a cloaca is? <laughs> you want me to show you? Yeah, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is yeah. a series for me. Yeah, all right. So speaking of Bob's Burgers, though, I've been... <laughs> I thought you were going to say, speaking of cloacas... Like, um... like, literally everyone else in the family except for me has been watching Gravity Falls. But often I'll just kind of sit with them, and I'm not even watching it. I'll you know, work on my computer or something just to be with them. And But I can hear Louise's voice in Gravity Falls. Yes. And oh, yeah. Yep. I can't think of anything but her. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Roy, she's in the new season of What We Do in Shadows. Oh, is she? Yes, okay. she is. She's a She has a I've minor never seen role that in TV it. TV show. I saw the movie, but I never saw the TV show. Look, the yeah. the I will confess that the TV show took me a minute to get into, but now it's like my favorite thing ever. I mainly because yeah. it has um, not only are the other characters great, but it has Matt Berry in it, and he's fantastic. And uh, yeah, so it it took me. I liked the Hello movie. Fandango. Yes, I liked the movie. <laughs> But uh, the fact that he got in it and uh, just, yeah, it's totally sold me, and it's fantastic. But, yes, it's uh, Kirsten Schaal is her name. Yes. And she, yeah. that's apparently her natural speaking voice, so you get to hear <laughs> yes. Louise as a vampire saying things, and it's oh, funny. Okay. Yeah. Further tangent here, 
Matt Berry and uh, Hannah Waddington, who plays Rebecca on Ted Lasso, and some other people are going to do an animated show on Fox from Dan Harmon called Crapopolis. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I was like, okay, you've okay. got Dan Harmon and Matt Berry. Yeah, I'm sold. You know, yes. you've got me. Not that I'm this big Rick and Morty fanboy or anything, but, yeah, those two, I appreciate his genius. Yeah, we're sold. So it's based on uh, Greek mythology. And, you know, honestly, I will say, um, Ted Lasso, I feel like I'm a bad person because I I can't get into it. I, no. th- I think it may be too wholesome for me. It's like oh, I, I love it so much. I know. Pe- I think good people do, Roy. I think good people oh. do. And I and I go like I must be a bad I'm bad. I'm 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 evil because I don't like Ted Lasso. That's how I feel. Because it is, you know, it's this nice, good, good things happening to good people and I can't get into it and I feel bad. Well, so. nevertheless, I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh mm-hmm. yeah, you watched it at all, Richard? Ted Lasso? Yeah. Nope. It's it's so you, no. you do not oh. have Apple TV? I do. do. I just okay. don't watch this time much TV. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. If you can get around the swearing, Ted Lasso is um in my opinion a very uplifting show. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Yeah. Cuz he's like, I'm just Joe Positive down here up in the UK trying to do some soccer. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and people are working against me, but they don't ever work out. Cause I'm too good. I'm Ted Lasso. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of the way I feel watching it. Uh, and I was like, is is there gonna be a dick joke anytime soon or something? Is I I don't know. And then I then I was like, Adam, you you've fallen too far, buddy. You you've become too jaded. You yes, this is bad. You you need to step back and <laughs> yeah, because this is too wholesome for you, and it's just not good because nobody's talking about cloacas. You don't like it. So yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Ted Lasso, yeah. everybody. You know, we should get, like, a sponsorship from um, Apple TV as much as we talk about it. We, we should. I know, with our... Yeah, look, like, we're number, I think, 138th podcast in Austria. So, pff, come on. I should be able Still to get... Still more consistent than Dan Carlin. <laughs> well, I think, Dan, Roy, Dan Carlin would say, you know, Roy, uh, quality over quantity. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, and, and he would also be like oh I'm sorry Roy does the Chance of Gaming podcast have their own World War uh, 1 uh, thing that people walk through no so okay there you go Well, that's just like your opinion man I know look I want to do one what kind of VR thing could we get going at like a Michigan bar that's what we, the Chance of Gaming experience what would it um, be I don't know we should work on that naked unicorn wrestling oh yeah something like that I don't know or uh, was it I'm jo- not an idea guy. I don't know. That Medium. sounds like it could be bad. Could be bad. Oh, All right. The Ted Lasso would not approve of that. So <laughs> ah. Anyway, uh, we do have a real sponsor. Oh though. yes, we do have a real sponsor. And if you would like a naked unicorn to be 3D printed, Mike over at Alter Dementia could hook you up, provided you have the STL file. Because I'm going to go on record as saying Mike does not have a naked unicorn. Uh, STL file. So you go over there. He has reverse centaur. A reverse centaur? Ooh, that's really yes. weird. Uh, it's the body of a man and the head of a horse. Mm, that's mm, kind of scary. Mm. Isn't that a body <laughs> of a man and head of a horse? Isn't that like a, a minotaur? Is that a minotaur? That's a bull. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway. That's a bull. 
Nobody likes reverse Sentai. Anyway. It's AlteredDementia.com. You can uh, check it out in the show notes, and you have the discount code of COG2019 for all your uh, 3D printing needs. He's working on some skeletons for me currently, so there you go. So, cool. anyway. You are still talking about 3D printing, right? Yes, 3D printing. Okay. So, yes, yeah, I don't know. He was, he was, he was <laughs> killing people. The Beatles yes, <laughs> and he was going to send them to me when he's done. Oh, my gosh. You know what would happen like if that was like, um, like true, if that happened? Mike was actually doing that, and then you'd have like true crime podcasts listening to this one, and they go, "So, what role do you think Roy played in this? He didn't live by. I don't know. It'd be terrible." I said, "Be like, I swear, FBI did not know he was. It was just a joke. I didn't know he was actually doing it." All right. So anyway, (laughs) and I would like to go on record as saying, Mike at UltraDimension.com has not killed anyone or made a skeleton out of them to send to me that I know of. So there you go. We'll just say allegedly. Anyway, so uh, on to what's on your radar, and the first thing is a love thing. you, man. I know, yes, we we love you, Mike. It's it's the whole thing. Uh, this uh, thing that I backed is called Carbon Gray. Now it was on. It's currently on the Kickstarter, I believe. If I can hit the correct um, link here it's somewhere it is a rpg based on the graphic novel series of the same name and uh, i was attracted to it because it's um what i would call diesel punk which is kind of step above steampunk you know it's kind of like less magic less coal more you know missiles and it's grittier is what i would say and uh yeah so Never heard of it. I like Diesel Punk, and it gave me an opportunity to not only get the RPG, but I actually got a collected version of the graphic novel for uh, my perusal. And uh, so, yeah, so I backed it, and dadgummit, in looking at this, um, doing this podcast, because what we have here is actually back in, um, looks like the link we have is from July of this year. Hmm, well... Um, so I'm going to stick the... Yes, there it is. Dadgummit, finally. The freaking Kickstarter. Which, uh, yes, has ended as of this. But it's okay. It's alright. I'm just telling you about it. Because I backed it. And it's kind of neat. And I'm going to drop this link here in the show notes so you can see the Kickstarter. And then, perhaps you can uh, purchase it on BackerKit or something. So, there you go. Anyway. Uh, the next thing we had on what's on your radar, where we look at things that just kind of pop up, you know, that you've never heard of or whatever. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, like, um, the Black Oath, uh, OSR thing. The guy does, uh, quite a few, uh, zines, like Marrow, Marrow and Splinters, Covert Wars, some other things. He has a really cool logo. This is Across a Thousand Dead Worlds, and this is coming to Kickstarter, in the fourth quarter of 2021. I just thought it looked cool. I'm a fan of, like, sci-fi horror pretty big, and, uh, like, uh, Aliens, Mothership is another one that I own pretty much everything for. So this one looked super-duper cool. So I was going to toss it on here and see. Can you guys think of, like, any nice, like, um, sci-fi horror movies that are not Alien? 
Oh, that are not alien. Not alien. Uh, well, Event I don't know Horizon. That it's nice. yeah. yeah, I mean, Event Horizon is like one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's. I that's... don't want to see that again because yeah. it was awful. I mean, but it, it was it was well made and it was good, but it was terrible to watch. Yes. So that's the movie that's widely regarded as a Warhammer Forty Thousand prequel. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because people talk about the, it's not officially yeah. endorsed by anybody at Games Workshop, but it's like very much influenced by you know going through the warp and picking up all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly, and yeah. So, but uh, yeah, there's some other ones, but uh, yeah, sci-fi horror is pretty neat. Strangely enough, there is not a really, in my opinion, there is not a very big presence in the literary world of sci-fi horror. So you know, I feel like. We could do more. We could do better, but that's just me. Anyway, the uh, the episode of um, Firefly where they found the derelict ship. Oh yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. That's and that's one. that's a really good hook. I know that hook is there in the Aliens RPG as well. Like, oh, it's a derelict ship. Hey, Richard Roy, won't you go over there and uh, check Let's that go out? Salvage it. Yeah. And it's like, mm, no, it's like I've seen this movie, and like, no, <laughs> yeah, look, nothing bad can happen. Yeah, there's been several times in my life where they're like, hey, guy. oh, yes, the most the most horror movie situation I've ever been in my life was with my previous job. We were uh, over in Vicksburg, Mississippi, uh, do- working, and we were driving along this back road, and the driver who does photography as a hobby said, look at that old uh, house over there on the side of the road that's abandoned. He's like, let's pull over here. And we, sure enough, we pull over and we park and we get out. And it's, I get out of the van with these three other people saying, I have seen this movie. It does not end well. Because (laughs) it's like, okay, we're just, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's this old abandoned house. You decided to go and go in it and blah, blah, blah. Because it's like, it's overgrown. It's this old, like, uh, antebellum mansion. It's in disrepair. He's like, let's go in here and take pictures and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I've seen this movie. Uh, You give me the keys, and I'm going to stay out here by the van because, again, I've seen this movie. And when you don't come back and you don't answer me calling your name, I'm leaving to go get the cops like anybody smart should. And so, yeah, that was the whole thing. He actually went into the stupid thing and walked up, you know, this, the ancient stairs in it that were falling apart and got onto the second floor and got out to a window and waved. And I'm like, oh, this is where, you know, the killer gets in or whatever. But anyway, we all lived. We all came back. But, yeah, that was the closest thing I've ever been to a horror movie. Like, no, I've seen this movie. I'm not going in there. You guys go in there, and when you don't come back, I'm leaving. So... <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, look, only in Mississippi can you ride around in the middle of nowhere and find an ancient, you know, falling apart Annabella mansion that may or may not have inbred cannibals or something in it, <laughs> uh, the ghost of Confederate people, whatever. Nothing kind good. Kind of reminds me of that place from uh, True Detective. Oh, yeah. First season. Oh, yes. Look, that was Louisiana. And watching that, I was like, oh, yeah, that is very much Louisiana. You can yeah. go. It's really easy to go and be in the middle of nowhere and just be like, hmm, yeah, where this dude's, yeah, killing people. And, yeah, anyway. That first season was amazing. I honestly never even watched the second one, which people said was good, but not as good. I didn't see it either. Yeah. The third one was excellent, though. Anyway, so uh, the next thing I had on Western Radar was a little YouTube channel 
called Tabletop Sci-Fi. I was just going to kind of plug it because I thought it was kind of neat. The uh, He's got some older games on here, which is what attracted to me. Attracted me to it. Like uh, He has the 1976 Starship Troopers on here. He has Outreach, also from 76. The Star Force Alpha Centauri from 74. And, uh, I mean, he's got some more modern stuff. Uh, let's see. Struggle for the Galactic Empire from 2013. Uh, Space Empires 4X from GMT uh, from 2011, which is a really fun game, uh, Rich. I don't know if you've ever tried that. I know. Which one? Uh, Space Empires 4X. Oh, no, I have not played that one. Is that, yeah, I know. I've seen it played, but I haven't played it. I have played it once and, I'm oh, sorry, twice and thoroughly enjoyed it. But Yeah. Anyway, so the next thing we got uh, is Necromolds, and a friend of mine apparently backed this on Kickstarter, and it finally shipped to him. And so this is the first time I've ever heard of this. This is a rules-light miniature skirmish game that you make your little dudes out of Play-Doh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if okay. you don't have a 3D printer printer you just make your own guys yeah and uh, i mean he's got kids and um that's the whole reason why he bought this uh game and just hearing him talk about it it seemed like a, a hell of a lot of fun especially if you have young kids so yeah just i'm just gonna toss it on here i thought it was neat i wondered it is cool i wondered if you guys had ever heard about it because you like no, it's the first i've ever heard you put your little uh, Play-Doh guys in the uh, the spell books, and so that like makes them in the mold. And oh, you, you, I love it! You march them around, and you know you smush them if they die. And I think you can um, combine them into like you know if you take the clay from dead ones and uh, make them into another mold to make them bigger. So yeah. Anyway, the creator wow. had a love of toys from the '80s and '90s, and uh, that's where it came from but he says he made them for war gamers but to me it looks like it's for kids but it looks pretty neat <laughs> I, I mean it's kind of neat uh, looking at some of the things apparently people have made plastic molds out of them because they're painting them so that's kind of cool I think the oh, uh -huh. the battle box is uh, 50 bucks is, is what it is I don't think you'll find this at miniature market it looks to be direct only but Really, really neat. I guess, especially if you have young kids. So, ooh, wait. Not to be that guy, but you could three D print some molds pretty easily. Mm, that's a. Ugly I guess I am that guy. That is an <laughs> ugly looking kid they have as a model there for that. Yeah, he's got a. Sorry, he has an unfortunate tooth thing, and I don't like teeth things. So yeah. Hmm. And uh, anyway, just gonna you know drop it in here. So. The next thing we had was Tax Cuts and Pixie Dust. A This is the story of the Fairy Court, the home of a sordid assortment of terrible woodland spirits doing terrible things in a desperate bid to sit atop the fairy throne. You are those woodland spirits, and election season is just around the corner. Politics has never been so magical. So, I don't know what you guys think. This is, I don't know if you can, like, RPG, yeah, kind of like a government type of thing, but if you're going to do it, do it with, like, owls and rabbits and stuff, and it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, looks mm. like something to try for a one-shot. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, and the best, some of the best one-shots I've ever uh, played in have been on the ride home from, like, Gen Con, which, isn't that coming this weekend, I think? 
That's what I hear, but I have heard very little about it. I, I, mean, I know it's it's going on, but I haven't heard much about it. Right, and I'm very, very interested to see, yeah, how it ends up. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll I guess yeah, the, the but... next show we'll talk about it. Because usually, um, if I'm not there, I'm all over Gen Con because it has, you know, all these uh, releases, reviews, you know, pictures that people took, and I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Just follow us on Twitter at, at Chance of Gaming, all one word, and we'll see, I guess, Sunday as people see I've things. I've got uh, three or four friends that are going, so I'll, uh, really? I'll have to hit them, hit them up next time. Yep. I'm very curious to see, like, you know, how it is, because I think they're, I know they're requiring masks. I cannot remember if they're requiring vaccinations or not. Hmm. And look. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I've got a convention coming up in six weeks. And I cannot tell you every single day I get emails about, like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it just comes out to be like, I don't know. It's like um, with the way our government in Mississippi is, I can't cancel it and, like, get, like, money back or anything because, you know, uh, the state isn't doing anything. So I have to go forward with it hoping to recruit my costs. But I don't know. It's like, do you, you know, because I could, I mean, I could say, well, I require people to wear masks. I require proof of vaccination. I don't know. It's like you want to do whatever the right thing is. You want to do the thing that allows you to operate in the black, but I don't know what that is. So, and I guess it's even worse for them because they're an enormous convention. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. So the next thing we have is the Cortex RPG. And what is Cortex Prime? Imagine a world-building tabletop RPG system where you and your players choose the genre, build the game, and forge the story from a set of modular rule mechanics. Cortex Prime helps you create a one-of-a-kind experience tailored to the way you and your friends like to play to bring to life an experience you will never forget. I don't know. I'm I'm not about giving so words. Yeah. Well, what were we saying? But it's 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 from the makers of D and D Beyond, which is D and D Beyond is not an RPG. It's the D. It's the sort of online presence of D and D. So is is this an online tool or is this a system like GURPS or Genesis or something like that? Well, there's a digital handbook that you can get, and then you I think you take that and sort of build a game out of it it's and look i the way i'm for not giving players choices because <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean look if you bring like four guys in to play and say okay well what do you want to do they're gonna want four different things and i don't know uh, i i think too much too much choice for the player is bad is what i think but that's just me it's like picking out salad dressing at the supermarket yeah for you got to do it for a group of people, and they're like, yeah. "Well, I want Caesar because I have no taste," and it's like, "Well, I want ranch because I'm basic," you know, and just yeah. So, anyway, so what are you guys' favorite salad dressings? <laughs> I'm just curious. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm partial to a blue cheese. Oh my gosh, you drink the moldy stuff? Ah. Oh yeah. Yep. Want uh, something I can chew? Ugh. What about you, Richard? It's probably ranch. 
You called me out. Yeah, this is basic. You discovered my secret. This is basic. We are all Americans, so we. I think that's part of the mm-hmm. Constitution. We're we're legally required to put ranch on everything. So yep, um, I think so. Yeah. yeah, there was a restaurant here in St. Louis. I think they closed during the pandemic, but um, they were basically like that was their thing. Is everything was based around ranch dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Richard, I need to know cool more. America. I need to know more about this restaurant. Please tell me it's like, it was just it was called, called Ranch. Twisted Ranch. Let me see if it's still open. Ranch on everything. Uh, they still got a website. They might actually All be open. ranch, all the time. Yeah, here we go. I'll put the so, link in there. So for you listeners that don't live in Freedom Land, ranch dressing is made with buttermilk, and it's kind of tangy and kind of dilly, and there's some garlic in there. That is true. The people and, listening and in we put it on everything. The people listening in Austria don't know what ranch dressing is. I'm, you're right, Roy. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for keeping me on track. All right. So um, yeah, you can get you can get tater tots with ranch. <laughs> you can get big kid mac and cheese with ranch. <laughs> you can get. I'm looking at their menu right now. You can get burgers with ranch. Okay, that's it's, like, it's a whole ranch. Thing. That is the most American restaurant i have ever heard of they should open that like in the uk and stuff They're like oh it's the american St. Louis, missouri yeah. right here man they call it mesigios we got the arch we got like the bowling hall of fame and we got ranch dressing <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh the next thing we had was so you can okay. come for twilight imperium and ranch dressing that's Sorry, right that's, yeah that is very true yeah for... i'm gonna i'm gonna have these guys cater my ti4 game <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so, I will not interrupt anymore. <laughs> so, um, if you didn't know, uh, this great website, Good Old Games, GOG.com, uh, has brought that, you know, those awesome games you used to play in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s back to life and able to play on modern computers. Well, this past week for Star Trek Day or whatever day it was, I don't, I don't understand that part. I don't understand May the 4th or whatever. Anyway, they uh, decided to kind of just dump out about six games that they didn't have. And there's some really cool ones on here, so I was going to mention that. This is, um, let's see. They My personal favorites that are on here were Star Trek Voyager Elite Force and Elite Force 2, which is a first-person shooter set in the uh, Voyager world, which is really neat. Now, Bridge Commander is on here, and it sounds kind of neat, but to me, the standouts are Starfleet Command 3 and Star Trek Armada 1 and 2, which, you know, allows you to command fleets of Star Trek ships. I had never heard of a way team, but it sounds kind of cool. Again, it seems stupid. Well, that one is not a first-person shooter. That one is a third-person shooter, an isometric turn-based tactical game influenced by things like Commandos and XCOM. So, these all sound really cool, but again, you're going to have late 90s, early 2000s graphics. If you're like my kids, you'll turn your nose up at it, but uh, it's still a lot of fun, and I honestly can't wait to play Elite Force again and shoot some Borg in the face. So, there you go. Alright. So, uh, somebody, not me, put the board game price breakdown on here and it's a nice pie chart so who wants to tell me about this yeah that was me so it's uh this is a thread on on board game geek and uh this publisher talks about 
and he uses a game called Origins First Builders. He, he breaks down all the costs that go into the game. Like So, like, he talks about the the to produce it in a first-run scenario is 11 bucks um, for a game that he's going to sell for 70 But he talks about all the little bites of cost that go into the, the production of that game from the actual printing, the development, the artwork, the licensing, the royalties and all this kind of stuff uh, and kind of lays it all out and says, you know, this is how much it comes to. And then, you know, of course, we're going to, we're going to, we got to get a taste also. Um, so it, it was kind of an interesting read through of kind of how, uh, why games cost what they do. So, well, yeah, I thought it was cool. I, okay, I get it. And, okay. Buckle up, because I'm about to talk out of my ass. Um, okay. I mean, I get it. I know when you're selling a board game for like $70, $90, whatever, I know it's not at a 60% markup. I know that $70 game is not, you know, $60 worth of profit. I know that. But on the other hand, as a consumer, the way I look at it is like, well maybe you shouldn't have put that board game out. Maybe you should have gone to a bigger company and said, will you publish this for me? Or how about we partner? I mean, I know that there's a whole lot of... I think the problem is, is there's too many board game companies right now. Everybody mm, has yeah. jumped in. Everybody's trying to make it. And apparently, it's you've got to have big britches and deep pockets to do it. I mean, damn, how bad would that suck for you to make a board game? I mean, put your heart and soul. You may maybe have mortgaged your house to make this thing, and you're only making $4.80 in profit on each one sold. And to break even, you would have to sell them all, which is completely unrealistic. I get that, but maybe, just maybe, there are too many board game companies right now. Maybe it should be, instead of you going out on your own and trying to make this and trying to form your own company, maybe you should go to an already established company. And again, I'm just talking out of my ass. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, if there's something stopping you, you know, from doing that, some legal thing, I, I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass. But I hear it a lot, and especially with this situ uh, shipping situation, which is mentioned in the article that we'll link in the show notes, uh, it's, I mean, they're saying gloom and doom for the board game industry coming this fall, this Christmas, because of the sh shipping situation. And yeah. uh, I'm willing to bet the big companies are going to make it. I'm willing to bet Fantasy Flight Games is still going to be there, that uh, Multiman Publishing, GMT, all those are still going to be there. And, uh, but the little guys that are trying to make it on their own are probably not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the solution is other than that maybe, yeah. I mean, it just sucked to be like you woke up and you decided to form a company and, and make this thing. Or maybe you were doing good until COVID hit. That sucks too. But, uh, I mean, it's, I know. I know you're not making a lot of money. I know the situation is dire, but 
we have to look at it from the consumer perspective because that's what we are. We're the ones that want to buy your game. So if we look at it and decide it's not worth the $70 you're charging for it, even though we know you're only making $4.80, I just don't think that's on us. I don't. Uh, as a consumer but uh, it's yeah I mean the solution would always be like make a super good game but uh, I know who knows what makes that or who knows the fickle heart of the consumer or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah uh, I know we're gonna yeah. he- I mean part of the question is what what one person calls a super good game is not the same as what another person calls a super good game we are definitely saturated in games right now um which, I, I mean, I don't think it's bad. I, there's lots of good choices out there. But interestingly enough, I have not bought that much this year. Like my buying, it's not because I can't afford it or anything like that. It just, uh, the stuff that I've pre-ordered has been stuff that I've really wanted. And the rest of the stuff I've looked at it and thought, eh, that's, I'm fine without that. All right, let me ask you two guys a question. What is the last really awesome game you bought that okay i'll say is not a hex encounter game something that oh come on no 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 so, something <laughs> so some, you just don't want my answer though. right well no you got you do so all right it has to be something that normal people would buy um something that readily available you know and whatnot what was the last super good board game you bought my wife buys all our games and tells me i gotta play them with her well so. which one did she buy and thought was super cool the, the last one, uh, a game called Subastral that she bought. That was uh, she. She's she said I really like the artwork on this. So, Subastral is a little card game. Well, did you play it and were like, "This is awesome! I love this game." It's fine. Yeah, it's it's about uh, it's a card collection game or a set well, collection game. Okay, well, so mine's actually also a little card game innovation. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, okay. innovation is a great game that I bought a couple months ago. I can play it with anyone. It's not Hex Encounter or anything like that. Very, very good game that you can teach someone in just a couple minutes. They'll they'll be terrible at first, but they can play it in five oh, minutes. Yeah. I've got more castles than you do, so you can't, you can't yeah. do that to me. <laughs> Which, I mean, come on. I mean, Hex Encounter is a niche inside of a niche. So if you think people trying to put out a regular there board game. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Yeah. Well, if, if you think people that put out a regular board game that normal people would buy are having trouble, yeah. think about it like if you went out on your own and were like, I'm going to form my own company and make my own Hex Encounter game. Eh, that's that's going to be pretty tough because it's that's a pretty tighter area to go in. But yeah. I mean, that's... Well, a, maybe that's yeah. why certain companies are just reprinting old games. Maybe. Stay with what's safe, but... But yeah, I mean, I I've been seeing this for months now. Companies like, look, you know, it's gonna be bad. We're gonna close. We're gonna die. You know, all this stuff. And you know, look, we don't make that much money on these. And I know, I know it is. But I don't know what the solution is. It's it's I don't I don't know if it's appeal more to the consumer or or what. I don't think anybody is turning away from a board game because it's too expensive. Because I think people that buy board games uh, have disposable income. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think letting us know about the pricing is the solution. Because we do know. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, there's not a single board game I think that 
you know, people are making that much money on. I don't. I mean, the, our interview with Jamie Stegmar was incredibly uh, uh, eye-opening as to, you know, what it actually costs to make a game and how if he had... What was the stretch goal, the coins for his Kickstarter? Yeah. It, there would be oh, no... It, if it would have made it, it, it would have wrecked him. Yeah, there, there would have been yeah. no Stonemeyer games. And that was just incredible, you know, to, to learn that. So, I don't know what the solution is, but, I mean, we're aware it's... Yeah. I mean, is it wrong to just say make good games? Make a game that everybody wants. But even if you do... I don't know how you would get people to know that, oh, this is a great game, and people love it, and whatever. I mean, it's certainly not us talking about it. Maybe if you can get Tom Vassell to talk about it. I don't know. But, yeah. Who? I don't know. Some dude in the fedora. Oh. So, I'm so I'm, I'm Star Wars Legion wealthy. I'm not 40, uh, Warhammer 40K <laughs> ah, wealthy. That's funny. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm FFG wealthy. I'm not, I'm not GW wealthy. All right. Yep. So... On to actual news. This little this little list of people um, passed around about a uh, two week, two three weeks ago, and what? Okay, what did we determine this web this website came from? This this list came from it was a particular website. Uh, the, the RPG, RPG site. The, this is where I saw it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it originated there, and it's essentially okay. So it's the RPG site, quote unquote, guide to woke companies. TM. And, uh, yeah, we're gonna just have them here. I found this fascinating because I saw it originally on an OSR Facebook uh, group. And there, uh, that group is actually mentioned in the red. And they were like, yay, we made it. And I saw on Twitter I found this hysterical that you would have authors and companies that were actually mad that they did not get to they were not in the red, and they were like, oh my god, I'm in the green, or I'm in the yellow. What can I do to get in the red? Essentially, this is some probably incel person, as Roy said, uh, decided arbitrarily which companies were woke, quote-unquote, and which were not. So, looking at the green list, these are companies that are not woke or indifferent. And uh, and of course, I don't know how accurate this is. I'm not going to say one way or another. I'm not honestly that, you know, invested to go through these hundreds of things here. Um, but the ones I recognize in the green are Trollo Troll Lord Games. They do Castles and Crusades, which I own a ton of stuff for, and I keep swearing I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the Castles and Crusades guy. And I'm going to play it for my friends and stuff. But I never do. Uh, Necrotic Gnome from Old School Essentials. I think it says here, makes a point to be apolitical. And I'm pretty sure he's one of the guys that commented, like, what the hell? How can I get in the red? Um, <laughs> uh, White Box, I've played. Frog God Games, they do Swords and wizardry, wizardry. And it says, did a bit of pandering with an all-female printing of swords and wizardry this book is apparently referred to as the vagina book in-house and they seem to have learned their lesson new information says they were not pandering but they greenlit a sales pitch from a team of authors and artists that worked on that book the company and creator seem both solid okay again i have no idea i'm not going to comment on that i just recognize so the name 
to clarify, what does it mean to be in the green zone here? All right. It means that you're a company that has. You're not pushing an agenda. Away. You're not pushing okay. an agenda. You're um. You're not political. You're not woke, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see Palladium uh, has riffs. I see um, Peterson well, Game. Games. Dungeon Crawl Classics is in the green. How the fuck is Dungeon Crawl Classics in the green? And I'm pretty sure the company said the same thing on Twitter. Um, because, yeah. Uh, anyway, Riot Minds is in the green. Okay, Lamentations of the Flame Princess... It says Edge Lords cannot be contained. They were on the receiving end of the cancel mob and Twitterati for a while. Um, hmm. I see Columbia Games. Okay, I could possibly believe that. Having met the dude at Gen Con, uh, I should probably keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> and I don't recognize the rest of them. Anyway, that's no fun. Let's go to Yellow. These are sort of woke or panders. If it's if it's there, it's subtle. They bend the knee to grifters, or maybe they themselves are woke. Can you okay? Ma- so yeah, go ahead. Who's go ahead. in the yellow zone? Goodman Games. Okay, that's better. All right, all right. Okay, I'm sorry, Roy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So Catalyst Game Labs, Shadowrun, and also BattleTech. Um. They, I don't know, they made a statement on social justice. That's another thing that really annoys these people, that you make a statement like, hey, Black Lives Matter, etc., you know, stuff like that. It, it angers these people. Fantasy Flight Games is on here. Um, Talsorian, if that's how you pronounce it, do the cyberpunk. I mean, come on, you can actually play transgendered characters in that. Uh, Chaosium, which that's... I think my... My favorite one on here is GURPS and Steve Jackson games banned by RPG net for not being woke though. Some of the devs might be. So these guys got banned for not being woke. So we're going to call them a yellow (laughs) just in case. And again, I don't don't know if any of this is true. Uh, Okay. For Mongoose publishing is on here for paranoia. It said had a don't be a dick section in paranoia. So, all right. If you tell people to not be a dick, you're, you're on the warning in yellow Pinnacle has Deadlands uh, Free League I mean that's Tales of the Loop Symbarium, Corollis uh, Reaper Miniatures oh my gosh it said had some a drama about an employee getting into a fight with some Antifa sympathizer read this and make up your own mind and again this will be linked in the show notes um, Gallant Knight Games I don't know what that is Ulysses Spiel yeah, that's Torg, Fading Suns, uh, Dark Eye, etc. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's not important. Anyway, okay, for Tuesday Night Games, Mothership, really? They did the uh, the the dis- Dissident Whispers, which part of the proceeds go to uh, Black Lives Matter. I own that. Why does that not put them in the red? Anyway, okay, fuck it. Let's go to the red. This is where the fun stuff is. These people are woke. These people probably oh, no. just these, and this is what I'm I'm quoting here. These people probably despise you if you don't fall in line, and they aren't afraid to let you know it. Number fucking one is Wizards of the Coast. Really? 
It says harasses customers, diversity checkboxes, hires based on race, pedo judges, bans anyone they disagree with on social issues from all sanctioned events, true dumpster fire. And I'm quoting from this list here. So, I, I find it really fucking hard to believe that. All right. Uh, Paizo, again, uh, is listed on here. All right. My, one of my favorites on here, I have never been interested in this game, and now I am. Uh, the Zweihander? Zweihander. Zweihander, yeah. all right, from Grim and Perilous Games. They are, uh, and quote-unquote, freaking dumpster fire. And I remember seeing this guy comment on this. He was like, yay, I'm in the red. Don't you want to be cool like me and be over here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now I do. I'm very curious uh, to see. I think Zweihander is some kind of... What is it, like, grimdark fantasy setting? Yeah, I've never played it, but I think so, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. Cubicle 7. Well, I see that you're, okay. uh, the Delta Green, Arc Dream Publishing, okay. is on there. You're reading ahead. In the red zone. You're reading ahead, Roy. We haven't made oh. it that far yet. <laughs> I was going to say... The most I'm looking at has is alphabetical, so... Okay, I don't know how you did that. Uh, I've got Cubicle 7 next, which has Age of Sigmar... Blah, 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 Warhammer Fantasy, Wrath and Glory, Adventures of Middle-Earth. Okay, it does say it's not as bad as others on this list, but they are definitely woke. <gasps> Their art design generally shows it having extremely odd choices for portraits of Warhammer Fantasy and ignoring in-world cultural practices like female dwarven artisans aren't generally a thing. <gasps> no. Oh, my gosh. All right. Renegade Studios, Vampire the Masquerade. Yes, okay. You, If you're doing Vampire the Masquerade, it would, I assume, it's woke before I ever read it, so you should be here in the red. Same with Onyx Path Publishing, which also does Chronicles of Darkness. Again, if you're in that realm, you should be woke and you're here. Yes, I know that. Um, all right, Green Ronin's in here. I don't know why. Uh, Chris... Paramas is a full-on member of Antifa and has a... How do you pronounce that, Richard? Vitriolic. Vitriolic hatred for white people. And his products reflect this. (gasps) Publishes Blue Rose, the gay RPG. What makes an RPG gay? Uh, (laughs) Proto-social justice warriors. They were making political statements in their games before anyone else was. Okay, um... I don't know who that dude is, and I will also say Antifa doesn't actually exist as an organization. It only exists in, um, who's the guy that, about the gay frogs? Um, what's his name? The conspiracy theorist guy? Alex Jones! What? Antifa only exists in Alex Jones's mind. So, alright. Uh, evil- and, and Tucker Carlson. Yeah, that's true. Bowtie wearing <laughs> asshole. Um, monkey, uh, Evil Hop publish evil hat productions they are a poster child for woke gaming um all right pilgrim press they do 13th age and it says and i quote the thing about straight white guys is that they make great punching bags and it says still need a citation for this but it's going red also published hashtag feminism all right cobalt press i think you talked about them earlier roy mm-hmm and chapter Publishers of the excellent Midgard fantasy set. Chapter 2 of the Guide to Game Mastering has a whole section telling the reader to check your privilege. How dare they? 
and the whole thing reads like a gender studies course or something. I'm willing to bet this person has never taken a gender studies course. Uh, actually disparages cis white males. I mean, shit, so do I. Uh, also known to charge writers for the chance to write for them and then prides themselves on paying them a penny per word. Okay, so it's like you don't like them because they're woke and they're cheap. And they won't publish my story. Yeah, but they charge you for submitting. I don't know. Monty Cook Games, he wrote Consent in Gaming. How dare you be consensual about stuff. Okay, Gen Con, a convention, but honorary assholes nonetheless. <laughs> they go a bit ban happy. See Jeffrey Hamblay and the whole thing with new TSR. Besides being short lived, all right. If I yeah, can... we talked about that knucklehead. Okay, okay. It was founded by Peter Atkinson, former president of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, Coyote and Crow, a bunch of actual racists making a racist game. And we've covered that. That's the Native American RPG that they oh, did. Okay, yeah. yeah, and apparently that's bad. Fucking Games Workshop is on here for... I, I think they put out a thing that said Warhammer is for everyone, and boy did that piss people off. Uh, so, whatever. Uh, WizKids, uh, they put pronouns of their models on boxes for now. Also, partnered with Hasbro. Well, I'm pretty sure Hasbro owns them. I don't know, yeah. but okay. Arknight Publishing does Delta Green. has a whole section on Trump. They're actually more hostile to Trump than actual historical Nazis. Okay, okay. Let's dissect that sentence for a minute. All right. So are they saying actual historical Nazis are hostile to Trump? I think they're saying they hate Trump more than they hate real Nazis. Yes, but that's not what they said. To dissect the sentence, what they said was actual historical Nazis are hostile to Trump. However, Art Night Publishing is even more hostile than actual historical Nazis to Trump. So I don't know. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just being a dick in grammar Nazis. Gra I'm being really yes, hated. yes. I'm sorry. I was being a grammar Nazi. All right. Roll twenty strongly supports Black Lives Matter and woke and woke tiles. Oh, I'm sorry. Woke titles participates in fundraisers for those causes. Uh, Modifius, okay, look I have a problem with Modifius for their fucking shipping costs but that's all if they want to be woke, that's fine okay, but it does say they feminize Conan the Barbarian do they make him wear a shirt? I mean, I don't get it what, how do you feminize Conan the Barbarian? Hi, hires based on race they are the current license holders for Vampire the Masquerade which has been a trip to keep up with. And again, look, if you're publishing Vampire the Masquerade, I fully expect you to be woke. If you are playing Vampire the Masquerade, I fully expect you to be woke. And it has been that fucking way since 1993. So if you don't like that, it's just the way it is. All right. <laughs> Holy shit. There. Oh, yes. It's our close personal friend. No, no, no. I wish I could say that. But look, we were fascinated by someone publishing a book called Thirsty Sword Lesbians. And in talking about that, somehow we missed the fact that it's published published by Gay Spaceship Games. Yes, I imagine <laughs> a company named Gay Spaceship Games that publishes an RPG right. entitled Thirsty Sword Lesbians is probably quote-unquote woke. I would be surprised if they were not. So, 
They're good for them. Um, all right, Tanya DePass. Okay, it mentions Into the Motherlands, which I was kind of interested in. He says it's racist, though. Along the same lines as Coyote and Crow, the writer prides himself prides himself on being the worst type of person. Like, look, I don't pride myself on it, but sometimes I am the worst type of person. So what does that even mean? Anyway, uh, Tanya DePass. Uh, okay, if I click on this, it's a Kickstarter that goes to director. Okay, uh, you're you're not helpful person who put this together. All right, and the last thing on here, and look, I was very taken aback that Burning Wheel Luke Crane was on here. I did not know that. Let's see, his company has extremely close ties with. Anita Sarkeesian, Feminist Frequency. You can find their selfies together online, as well as a report of her fish, her position being official on their old forums. And any support of Gamergate was forbidden. If you're a masochist, here's a link, however, to the old forums. I don't know. Uh, and so, yeah, that brings us to the end of this. And this was, like, really hot a good 10 days ago, 10, 14 days ago. And it's just really fucking funny to me that someone would yeah I don't know you don't have any idea how much time it would take to put together this list I, they talk about like when people like if you live your life hating people or whatever uh, what's the term they live rent free in your head there's a lot of people oh, yeah. there's a, this dude that I promise you the, the uh, dude wrote this uh, there are a lot of people living rent-free in his head, you know. Why just not just let it fucking go and go play whatever you want instead of, yeah, just saying, yeah, anyway. So Some people draw energy from being angry. Oh, like Craig Robinson from um, What We Do in Shadows. He's an energy vampire. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Anyway, sorry. Uh, but yes, you're right, they do. They get their energy from by taking it from other people, I think. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and just just rage. Yeah, it is. It's just I'm angry because reasons, and or yeah. or I'm angry because things are either not the way they used to be, or the way I think they should be, and or the way that I think they should be, and so that just mm -hmm. makes people mad. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, the next thing we had was this uh, following up to this was a fantastic uh, quote that I had no idea because my copy has not arrived yet. Uh, the new edition of Mortem et Glorianum, which is a 15 millimeter, basically, ancients rule set. Uh, one of the first pages it says, uh, a guy posted this picture and circled it. It says, for everyone who has suffered from anxiety, panic, or clinical depression, know that it passes. May this piece of escapism bring some calm in an otherwise stressful world. And I thought, wow, that is really, really nice for Simon A. Hall to put that in his rule book. And yeah, and, and in the discussion of it, uh, the author talked about his own struggles with depression. And uh, I just thought that was neat. Because I know personally, I, it's something I struggle with all the time and it's just nice to see it acknowledged and just kind of front and center in a game so there you go just gonna mention that so there's so there's a you see the lyric from rush there above that too right 
There are those who do think they were dealt a losing hand. The cars were stacked against them. They were born in the Lotus Land. Okay. From Neil Peart, Rush, Free yeah. Will. Yep. I did not know. Okay, I'm not that big of a Rush fan, but I missed that completely. Which I don't know Roy. if that's from the song Free Will. It must be. Okay. And, uh, I'm not sure. Ah, I'm going to try to listen to that. Is that the one that says, and I will choose free will? Yep, that's okay. the one. Look, I love everything about Rush except Geddy Lee's voice. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fucking sorry. I feel bad. Uh, but yes, I just don't. I I don't know. It just I don't I don't like the falsetto and that. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Atomic Mass Games just went nuts in the past week and started just like cranking out a press release about every 13 minutes and starting with a new line of figures for Marvel Crisis Protocol and uh, personally I'm the most excited because they have added Colossus and my personal favorite Marvel character Magic his sister did you guys watch the um, New Mutants movie? No. It's really good. It's really, really good. It's like a if Mar a, a Marvel movie if Marvel did a horror movie. Now we mentioned like you know Thor Ragnarok was basically a comedy. If Marvel did a comedy, but if you did a horror movie, it's New Mutants, and I loved it. I thought it was really good. Mm. I actually went to the theater in the middle of COVID. I waited and waited and waited until I could get a ticket and be the only person in the theater because I had to see it because I was very excited. I love the New Mutants. I love magic, and I saw it, and it was awesome. But there's also, uh, they've added um, Juggernauts in this and Dadgum, Gambit, Rogue, and seems like somebody else but yeah uh, they're adding a whole ton of stuff so I'm excited about being able to field some new mutants and or x-force with it but they've also added a ton of stuff for Star Wars Legion and uh, I was going to get you guys to talk to me about this because they added what who are these shadow people in it Where shadow they yeah. Shadow something? Shadow Collective? Yeah, where did they come from? They're kind of like fringy, you know, like they, um... Well, like, I know... Scum, scum and villainy, right? Yeah, I know they came from that in, um... In X-Wing. They were, uh, mm -hmm. scum and villainy. So, right. so alright, I know these guys come from, you know, X-Wing. Because I know, like, scum and villainy and all the stuff and the, the shadow, whatever. But, did they come from the expanded universe? Does anyone know? They're kind of hinted at in the in the films, I guess. I, I mean, I would presume that you know there were people at uh, Boba Fett's or at uh, uh, Jabba's mansion. Okay, yeah, I I'm pretty sure they come from some novel or whatever, uh, the Shadow Collective. Oh, oh, um, these guys are the. So the picture is of the Pike Syndicate. I don't remember them being called Shadow Collective, but the Pike Syndicate is in... They're in, like, Clone Wars, and they're... I recently saw them in some... Maybe Bad Batch or something very recent as well. All right, you're talking the... Um, is it the Mandalorian guy? 
with the horns. Maybe the Pike Syndicate was in there. I don't remember. But the the picture from the the thing here is a those guys are definitely Pike Syndicate. Okay. Oh, the guys. Okay, on, on the left. The guys at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I did see where. Yeah, the guy on the left hand side. He's Pike. There was another uh, release that showed the picture of the man, uh, Bubba Fett from The Mandalorian, although he was not all uh, dad bod as he should have been. Because, mm. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, because he really should have been. But he's supposedly coming and he will be part of the Rebel faction. So. Interesting. And uh, the other thing uh, we had to mention from Atomic Mass Games that was like three weeks ago which caused much weeping and gnashing of teeth, is they put out a press release that said, hey, um, we're not going to do anything with Armada for right now. Uh, we're going to do reprints, we're going to do organized play, but nothing new is coming. Sorry, not sorry. So, there you go. And So it's kind of a, not the death knell, but it's certainly the, the, the beef of life supporter getting I, I don't know. spread out. People don't seem to get that feeling they just kind of feel like well they like us but we're like the redheaded stepchild maybe mm. Mm. All right. and that being said the Chance of Gaming Podcast does not condone you beating your redheaded stepchild so there you go or, nor <laughs> or s- any stepchild or, or any <laughs> well, we just made or the red child or, or, be, or yes. really anybody else please oh, don't set it. them on fire either we're, we're totally against that do not yes. burn children we're the very first podcast, the very first tabletop podcast ever coming out, come out against burning children. So, that is go. correct. That's this man speaks truth. <laughs> All right, and the last thing we had was a uh, thing that I've I was just been fascinated by. I own a copy in PDF and physical edition is the Index Card RPG, and I mean apparently it's a simple rule set for you to play. But what I really liked about it, I have not done this yet because COVID happened, but I thought it would be really fun to go to conventions. Like, you know, you have Artist Alley, and pretty much you can pay them X amount of dollars, and they'll draw whatever. So what I thought would be really cool is take a blank index card and have them draw, like, a monster on it and use that for your index card RPG. So I always thought that was kind of neat. But it's essentially just a simple role-playing rule set. And it is going to be published, republished by Modifius in a Master Edition. And apparently they're also doing Viking Death Squad, which I don't know what is. So there you go. Uh, so, yeah. I was just going to toss this on here. I, but I've loved the artwork from Index Card RPG. And like I said, I, I have the physical edition. I have the PDF, which gets updated sporadically. And whenever they want to tweak some things. And yeah, just thought it was neat. Just a kind of mm-hmm. a quick little simple rule set. And like I said earlier, I do not like Modifius's shipping policies. So, But they are apparently... Were they woke? Were they in the red or the yellow? I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, that's where they were. Yes, red, yellow. So, there you go. So that brings us to a uh, the end of the show. It's been a while. That was not a month's worth of content, but it was there. You know, there was a lot of stuff. Maybe we can get back on track. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I'll try to cover some 
uh, Gen Con stuff this weekend, if it happens, oh, if, if anything. You never talked about the uh, the hurricane uh, as it rolled past your house. Oh, okay. I was actually out of town for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was here, and they she lost power for about, I think, 13, 18 hours or something. Although it was just kind of really an unfortunate thing. Uh, our area was literally the only place in our town that lost power. And it was because oh, nice. of an, an, yeah, it was an unfortunate tree fall mm-hmm. out, out on like the main strip. And yeah, so that was it. But as we speak, as we record this podcast, I'm reasonably sure there are about a quarter of a million uh, people in Louisiana without power. So, I mean, it's it's a lot like Katrina. It went through there and messed things up. But I'm up far enough into central Mississippi that it's generally not a problem from where I All used right. to live, which was about two hours down south, and that was bad. So, I don't know. You ever get any hurricanes off the Great Lakes up there? Nope. <laughs> not any, so much. Any water spouts, anything like that that come through, like, ooh, look out. No, I, uh, I I endured a hurricane coming through when I was uh, on vacation in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Wait, and that was about it. Didn't uh, the boss write a song about Allentown? He did. Oh wait, was it him or was it um, Billy Joel? Who wrote Allentown? It was Billy Isn't Joel. Here in Allentown. It's Billy it's, Joel. Yeah, that's Billy Joel. Yep. I'm sorry, I got my cis white males mixed up. So it happens. Anyway. So. Anyway. So that's the end of the show. Yay. Hope you like it. We went through some book stuff. And I don't know. It Look, what makes me happy is like I occasionally uh, somebody will tweet something at me or whatever or, or send an email. And it's like, oh, my gosh, since you wouldn't shut up about Doom Patrol, I watched it. And, yes, it is fantastic, you know, or, or a game or whatever. You know, I, I like that part. I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I should probably keep making these podcasts then. Just for one person could ever do it. So, where are you guys with Doom Patrol, by the way? I've heard you talk about it. Mm. That's where I am on it. Yep, so, same. Sometimes I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. So, <laughs> so there you go. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's the uh, the end of the show. And I have to reach over and figure out where Skype is on this. Okay, it's on my phone, so I can hit the uh, end button when it happens. So, there you go. So. All right. All right. Hope, you, hope you like it. If you don't like it, you can listen to. You can also listen if you don't like it to. Um, what is that show you're on, Richard? You're on like 30 podcasts at this point. Uh, oh, yeah. history on the table. So just go over there. It's also a convention. This is a lot of fun. And uh, you can go to uh, siegevicksburg.org. Take a look at that. It's coming up in about six weeks. And so yeah. So good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye bye.